0: Good morning, Woodmont, and welcome to worship on this Sunday after Easter. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, open our hearts and minds, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'd like to begin by encouraging you to take just a moment and pass the peace of Christ uh, to those around you, your spouse or family, uh, or if you're by yourself, let me say, may the peace of Christ be with you, pass the peace of Christ. I hope all of you had a a good Easter. Uh, It was a very different Easter. I drove over to the church last Sunday to uh, come and see the the flowered cross and it was very uh, surreal uh, to see an empty church parking lot on Easter. But we got to worship in a different way and I hope all of you and your families had a good Easter. I want to say just a few things here at the very beginning of this message. The first is I want to say thank you uh, for continuing to support Woodmont during this time. Uh, You've continued to send in offerings, give online offerings, and we are grateful because the support has remained steady uh, during this time when we can't gather together for, for worship. Also, many of you know that April is usually the time when we do our annual stewardship campaign. And We have not been able to do that. Our leadership is talking about that and there will be more um, coming out about that, but but we wanted to let you know that that is being discussed, um, the best way to to handle that since we're not gathering for worship. Also today uh, from noon to three, there's a food drive at Campbell West, which is right behind the church. Uh, You can bring canned goods, olive oil, uh, tangerines, um, uh, whatever you would like to bring, put that in your trunk and you can pull up in the circle drive And there will be volunteers to get that out of your car, and it will go to support the Nashville Food Project as they continue uh, to feed hungry people uh, in our community. And we're thankful for the work uh, that they are doing. And then lastly, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who has uh, made a mask for Metro workers. I think we've now made hundreds of masks in the Woodmont community, and we've gotten those to the folks that are out working. So thank you if you have done that. We're continuing in John's Gospel. Uh, continuing in, uh, in chapter 20, the Easter account. And John tells us that after uh, Peter and John, the disciple whom Jesus loved and the one who wrote this gospel, uh, after they've gone to the empty tomb, uh, that evening, all the disciples are gathered together uh, in a house and the doors are locked. Remember, Mary actually encountered the risen Christ, but, but Peter and John had not. They saw the empty tomb and then they, they fled. And so the, the doors are locked in this house and the disciples are gathered there. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them and he says, peace be with you. And then he showed them his, his hands, the nail marks, and he showed them his, his, his sides. And the disciples rejoiced because it was Jesus. And John tells us that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, then they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, then they are retained. Now, apparently Thomas was not with the disciples that night. And so the uh, disciples went and told Thomas, we have seen Jesus. We have seen the resurrected Christ. And Thomas said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it unless I can touch his hands and, and touch his side. And so about a week later, the disciples were gathered together again, and Jesus appears to them again, and Thomas gets to touch the nail marks and touch Jesus' side. And what does he say? He says, my Lord and my God. He said, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have come to believe. In other words, you know, you have believed because you have seen me, but blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet have come to believe blessed are those who have faith, but who have not had proof. There was a well-known uh, author and composer by the name of Alfred Aki. He lived in the late 19th, early, early 20th century. And Ackie, uh was also a preacher. And one time he was preaching a revival and he, uh, after that revival, a young man came up to him and Aki was trying to convince this young man to give his heart to Christ. And the young man asked him a question. He said, why should I worship a dead Jew? And Aki responded to that question by saying this, he said, he lives, I tell you, he lives. I know that he lives, Jesus, is more alive today than he has ever been before. I can prove it to you. And then he went on to write that famous hymn that we sang last week on Easter that's called, He Lives. It says, I serve a risen savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever others say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him is always near. He lives, he lives Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And that hymn has become one of the most famous hymns that we have in the Christian tradition. I have one question to ask you on this Sunday after Easter. And the question is this. Do you live your life, even right now, in the midst of quarantine and coronavirus, do you live your life in the spirit of the resurrection with the hope of the Easter message? It's a question that my friend and and mentor uh, who just retired this year from a church in California, a guy by the name of Scott Colglazer, he was my pastor uh, when I was in college at TCU, um, it's a question he asks in his book, Finding a Faith That Makes Sense. And, and it's a great book. But in that book, he says, are you a resurrection person? Because at Easter, not only do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, not only do we sing the, the words of Christ the Lord is risen today and, and Alfred Aki's famous hymn, He Lives, but Easter causes us to stop and ask and answer some of the most important and challenging questions of life. First of all, when we die, will we live again? And secondly, when we die small deaths in this life, can we go on living again? And because of Christ, the answer to both of those questions is a resounding yes. Scott says, there's resurrection all around us. Every day there's resurrection. Daily there are moments when life breaks through. Maybe we can't explain it or predict it or schedule it, but if we have eyes to see and hearts to feel, then it is there, awe and wonder and joy. It's in the eyes of someone that you love. It's in the human stories of love triumphing over hate. It's in the presence of God enduring with us even when we go through some of our little moments of dying. Last week I told you that Frederick Buechner was asked if he had been born again. And he responded with that great answer. He said, let me tell you something I've been born again and again and again. And I would say that that has to be true with all of us. We have to be born again and again and again, because we go through so many things in life that set us back. And I would say that no matter what that is, whether we suffer through a a global health pandemic that's changed everything, whether we lose a job or a career, uh, we lose someone that we love dearly and we're grieving, when cancer gets diagnosed, when a a marriage or a relationship comes to an end, when depression rears its ugly head like it has for many people uh, during this quarantine, when our retirement money gets cut in half because of the market, when we find out that a close friend betrayed us, we must be born again and again And again, just like Buechner said. So what does it mean to be a resurrection person? What does it mean to live with the mindset of new life? This morning, I'm going to share with you uh, what Scott says, and then I'll give you my explanations. He says there's kind of five characteristics of being uh, a resurrection person. First of all, he says resurrection people live with hope and they bring hope to others. This means that we approach each and every day of life with a hopeful spirit, a positive spirit, a spirit that says, you know, tomorrow is going to be better than today. This means that we get out of bed every morning thankful that God has given us another day. Looking at life as a gift, not an obligation, not a burden or an inconvenience. It's been said that there are no hopeless situations in life, only hopeless people And so if if you're a resurrection person, then you live every day that you have to the fullest because we never know uh, what day could be our last. Secondly, resurrection people affirm and accept the lives of others. You know, if there's one thing that we should learn from the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, it's that we should spend more time loving other people and less time judging them. We should spend more time encouraging other people and less time discouraging them, especially right now with everything that's going on in our world and and in our community. People need encouragement. John Maxwell said, how do you know if somebody needs encouragement? If they have a pulse, they need encouragement. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to agree with or embrace every single thing that another person says or does but it means that we realize that life is not easy for anybody, and everybody is carrying some type of burden, and so they need some support. They need some encouragement. They need to be motivated and, and, and shared a positive word. Christianity is about acceptance. It's about tolerance. It's, it's about love. And in a world where these things seem to be on the decline, then the mission of the church has become that much more important. Third, resurrection people are inviting people. Have you ever been to a church, hopefully not this church, but felt like nobody really cared that you were there? You felt like you were invisible because nobody greeted you or said hi to you? Uh, Maybe you were even looked at because you were sitting in somebody's seat or in somebody's pew. Hospitality and Christianity have to go hand in hand. We must welcome people. We must be warm and, and greet people. Uh, I believe with all my heart that Christians have an obligation uh, to invite other people into the fellowship. And right now, that might just look like sharing some videos or sharing some, uh, inviting them to a Zoom call or sharing a, a, a 9 at 9 devotional. But we need to reach out to people in our community because there's a lot of people that are lost and they're struggling and that need to experience the love of Christ. If you're filled with Christ's love, then You should do everything you can to put yourself in the shoes of other people and ask, what is it like uh, to walk in their shoes, to be living their life? You know, right now, people are hurting and people are afraid and people are scared. And so this is really important right now. A lot of people don't know what life is going to look like on the other side of this or when we begin to ease back into our lives. And so we need to reach out and we need to encourage them. Fourth, he says resurrection people are in touch with the mystery of presence. Or to put this a different way, resurrection people look for the extraordinary in the ordinary. Resurrection people look to God and see God in the little things of life. And right now we're all getting to do some very ordinary things. Things like sitting out on the back porch or pushing our children on a swing, or having a conversation with our spouse, or eating dinner every night with our family. These are ordinary things, but actually, these are extraordinary things. These are gifts, and in these things, God is present, and we have to pay attention to that, and we have to be aware of that. You know, God is a mystery, And when we become so busy going and doing and checking things off of our list and rushing from one place to the next, then we will miss the awe and the wonder of life because life is amazing. Look at nature. Look at the springtime that is blooming all around us. It's everywhere, the trees and the flowers. It's absolutely beautiful. And I don't know how anybody can look around in the spring and not see God's hand at work, in the world, and in nature. Life is too wonderful to just rush through it. And so right now we're being forced to slow down. Right now we're being forced to stay home. And this is a wonderful time to see the extraordinary in the ordinary, to see God's presence in everything that we do. And lastly, this morning, Scott says that resurrection people go and bring new beginnings to others. Because of Christ, we all have a new beginning. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, and I quoted this last week on Easter if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything, everything has become new. However, it's not enough to just get our new beginnings from God, we have to go and give other people new beginnings. Maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody that you need to reach out to and heal a a broken relationship. Maybe there's somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time and and you need to reconnect. A lot of people have been doing that during uh, this quarantine period, uh, reconnecting with friends and family members that they haven't talked to in a really long time. You know, all of us interact with people every single day. Perhaps right now it's fewer than normal, but we all have a chance to give new beginnings and new starts to other people. And that's part of practicing forgiveness. And that's part of living in the spirit of Easter. I want to close this morning with what is one of my favorite Easter stories. And some of you may have heard this before, and, and some of you maybe haven't, but it's a, it's a very powerful story that continues to drive home the Easter message. And remember in the church, you know, Easter is not just one Sunday. Easter is a season and we're supposed to continue to celebrate the resurrection of Christ for for multiple weeks and not just on Easter day. But it's a story about a a young boy named Jeremy. And Jeremy was born with a, a twisted body and a slow mind. And at the age of 12, he was still in the second grade and unable to learn. And his teacher, who was named Doris Miller, she often became very frustrated with Jeremy because he would squirm in his seat and he would drool, he would run around the classroom and he would be a distraction uh, for all of the other students. Sometimes he would speak clearly and other times he he didn't know what to say. He couldn't participate in many of the activities because he wasn't really a normal child. But one day uh, Doris called his parents and asked if they could come in uh, for a conference with her. And so the Forrester family, the parents came in and they sat in the empty classroom with, with, with Doris, the teacher. And she said, you know, Jeremy really belongs at a special school. It isn't fair to him to be with younger children who don't have learning problems. He, he distracts them. that they, they can't focus on their, their schoolwork and their assignments. There, there's even a five-year gap between Jeremy and some of the other students. Some of them are seven years old. Well, Jeremy's mom, Miss Forrester, she kind of cried softly into her tissue. And her husband spoke up and said, "Miss Miller, th- there is no school of that kind nearby. We've looked. It-, it would be a terrible shock for Jeremy if we had to pull him out of this school. We know that he really likes it here. He loves you. He loves his friends. And so Doris sat there for a long time after they had left, and she was staring out the window at the snow. Its coldness seemed to kind of seep into her soul. She wanted to sympathize with the foresters, but, 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 but it was their child that was making teaching so hard for her and, and causing a distraction for the other students. And, and she didn't know if that could continue. She pondered the situation, she felt guilty. And so she prayed to God, Lord, please give me more patience with Jeremy in my class. Well, springtime came and the, the children talked excitedly about the coming of Easter. And Doris told them the story of Jesus. And and she emphasized the idea of new life springing forth. And then she gave each of the children a large plastic egg. And she said, I want you to to take this home. And I want you to find some signs of new life and bring it back in to share with the class. And so all the children were excited and they were thinking about what they were going to find. And Jeremy just kind of sat there holding his egg. It was almost as though he, he didn't really understand what the assignment was. Well, that evening, Doris got really busy and she meant to call the Forrester family to tell them about the assignment so that, Jerry could, or so that, so that uh, Jeremy could participate. But she forgot to call. And the next morning, the 19 children came back to school and they were laughing and they were excited as they, they placed their large egg on Doris's desk. And after they finished the math lesson, it was time to open the eggs. And so Doris said, I'm going to open these eggs one at a time. And she, she opened the, the first egg and she found a flower. And she said, oh, yes, a flower is certainly a sign of new life. When a plant peeks through the ground, we know that spring is here. And a small girl in the front row waved her arm and said, that's my egg, Miss Thompson. Well, the next egg contained a, a plastic butterfly which looked very real and Doris lifted it up. We all know that a caterpillar changes and grows into a beautiful butterfly. And that's new life too. And a little Judy raised her hand and said, that's my egg, that's my egg, Miss Thompson. Then Doris opened the third egg and she gasped. The egg was empty and she knew automatically that that was jeremy's egg he didn't understand the assignment he hadn't participated if only she had called the Forrester family and told them about the assignment so jeremy wouldn't have to be humiliated well she started to put that egg to the side and 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 suddenly jeremy spoke up miss doris miss doris aren't you going to talk about my egg and doris said well jeremy your egg is is empty yes jeremy said but But you know, on Easter Sunday, the tomb was also empty because Jesus rose from the dead. Well, the recess bell rang and the children ran excitedly out to the schoolyard and Doris cried. Well, three months later, after that class, Jeremy died. And those who came to pay their respects at the church were very surprised when they looked up on the casket and they saw 19 large plastic eggs and every single one of them was empty. You see, Jeremy was a resurrection person. How about us? After I close in prayer, we're going to show you some of the pictures and images of new life in the Woodmont family. Let's pray. Loving God, thank you for the gift of Easter. Thank you for the hope that the resurrection brings and inspire all of us to live in that hope, to live in that wonder, and to be resurrection people. In Christ's name, Amen.